Welcome to the APM podcast, brought to you by the Association for Project Management, the chartered body for the project profession. In this episode, our topic is the APM body of knowledge. The seventh edition of this core text for the profession was published in 2019. One year on, we wanted to reflect on the changes and updates made to the seventh edition. So we invited the book's co-editors, Dr. Ruth Murray-Webster and Professor Darren Dalcher to co-host this episode. Ruth and Darren came together in late August to reflect on the considerable challenges and responsibilities of updating what they describe as a foundational knowledge document for the profession. They considered the background and context of the seventh edition, the significant changes it introduced, and the future of project-based management in an uncertain world. The seventh edition was also the first update to the body of knowledge since APM received its Royal Charter. Ruth and Darren have written in the project journal about their belief that a chartered profession does not require black and white rules. Instead, it needs reflective professionals who can think about and devise ways to navigate a messy context in a nuanced way. This, and much more, was up for debate when the co-editors joined the APM podcast to take a deep dive into the fundamentals of the project profession in 2020 and beyond. Hello everyone, my name is Dr Ruth Murray-Webster. I'm the editor of the APM Body of Knowledge, 7th edition. I've spent my career in planned change. I've led projects and programmes and portfolios, and I spend my time researching, writing, advising and teaching. I'm joined today by my co-host, Professor Darren Doucher, and Darren was academic advisor for Body Knowledge 7th edition and also my co-editor. So Darren, would you like to say a few words about yourself? Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here. I'm a professor in strategic project management at Lancaster University Management School. I spend a lot of time looking at the future of project management, looking at success and failure in projects, and looking at the connection between projects and strategy, as well as agility. I edit two book series focused on advances in project management, and I'm passionate about projects and what we can achieve through projects. Well, thanks, Darren. I think in this podcast, we want to do three things, don't we? So first of all, we're going to share some information about the body of knowledge, a little background and context and how we arrived at the 2019 7th edition. Secondly, we'd like to discuss our views about the significant changes in the 7th edition. And thirdly, take a little look forward to the future and the role of project-based management as we go forward into what many see as an uncertain future. I'm going to start um, and talk a little bit about the underpinning aim and some of the history of the APM body of knowledge. The underpinning aim has always been to provide a foundational knowledge document for the profession. All other APM products and standards flow from the body of knowledge. The language that I think has always been used, but certainly we use with 7th edition, is that the body of knowledge is written by the profession for the profession. The first edition was published in 92, and I think 92, 94, 1996 were the first three editions. And then um, thereafter, they've been a little bit more spaced out, 2000, 2006, 2012, and the seventh edition in 2019. You might be thinking, well, you know, has project management really changed so much to warrant all of these editions? I think it's fair to say that as the body of knowledge has evolved, it's moved from a a single project and technical focus to a business focus. 
and the use of projects and programs and portfolios as necessary to achieve business aims. We used project-based work as a phrase to refer to the work of projects, programs and portfolios in the accomplishment of organisational objectives. But recognising also that although programmes and portfolios provide a different organising structure for planned change, they obviously rely on effective project management. Darren, do you want to share the essence of our thinking as we came together in early 2018 to work on the 7th edition? The big starting point was recognising the projects are everywhere. Everyone is doing projects. Projects are happening in different contexts, in different areas, in different domains. There's a lot that's being done around projects. And this was an opportunity to not so much standardise, but offer some choices and some solutions and get people to think about projects in a much wider way. There are different audiences. We recognize that. Typically, the body of knowledge has been written for the for the project manager and project practitioners, and projects are being used to deliver policies. Projects are being used to deliver business change. Projects are being used in a lot of contexts. So there was a need to think more strategically about the role of projects in implementing strategy. Organizations come up with strategy, but then when it comes to implementation, we deliver a lot of it through projects. There was a need to consider the delivery of beneficial change. Change happens through projects, so there was a need to really reposition projects as as a core part of what organizations do, as a core part of what we deliver. Part of it was also thinking about expanding project management to address organizational concerns. So not doing project management in a silo, not doing projects in the corner, but actually taking a central role within the organization, making projects more meaningful, more sustainable, more relevant to organizations. In order to do that, we've also made a significant change in how the body of knowledge was structured. In the past, a lot of the work, as we've said, was focused on project managers. We have made a conscious decision that the first chapter will focus on what projects can achieve. And therefore, the constituency or the readers are senior managers within the organizations who can deal with projects, who want to do things and achieve through projects. So the first chapter is really focusing on the strategic decisions, some of the choices, some of the significant starting points for the organization and the choices that they have in terms of projects, programs, portfolios, but different ways of shaping, different ways of creating, different ways of achieving organizational strategy through strategic implementation. So the first chapter was written specifically for business leaders, putting projects in context. Therefore, we are widening the basis of the conversation. We are not just talking to project managers. We are talking within organizations, to organizations, showing them what projects can do. So there's a significant amount of repositioning, looking at the strategic implications, looking at how we start projects, how the initial choices are very important. And that really has shaped the first part of the body of knowledge. So the launch pad, if you like, is recognizing the projects are important to the organization. They're not just something that has a beginning and an end, but it's something that makes a big, significant importance from the beginning and determines how we proceed. Just that point about choices was really important to us as we started on this, that you know there have been times within our profession where options have been set up maybe as binary choices. It's this or it's that. Is it a project? Is it a program? Is it waterfall? Is it agile? And we really wanted to put that right aside and say it's something more nuanced than that and and speak to, to a different audience, as you say. Maybe one of the biggest changes in the seventh edition, and, and maybe it was surprising 
to some that we did this, but we we took a really a policy decision and not to use the language that some do in pitching waterfall be agile as opponents, but instead talking about linear, iterative and incremental and hybrid life cycles. I think this is probably for many people who've read the body of knowledge that the main departure from the sixth edition. Darren, I wondered if you wanted to say a little bit more about that and the work that we decided to do on life cycles and on options and choices around that. The repositioning stems from the need to look at projects differently. And given that project management has been has become a recognized profession, there's a need to really amend the body of knowledge to reflect those choices. Professionals are not looking for recipes. Professionals are assumed to be able to make responsible decisions. So the emphasis on responsibility and the emphasis on choices means that we shouldn't be looking for the simplest option. So as you say, it's not about binary choices between one or the other, between black and white. There's a range of options. And what the first part of the body of knowledge, certainly in terms of both the choice of projects, programs, portfolios, and in terms of the life cycle, enables us to open up the conversation, look at a different range of options, look at all kinds of possibilities. We can go around a linear resolution course, so starting at the beginning, progressing step by step where we know everything that needs to be done. But we also recognize that sometimes, very often, we don't. So there are other options that we need to find, other options that we need to explore. Some of them imply changing and shifting. So there's an emphasis on hybrids. It's not just one position or another. We have conditions where we we may want to go around and make sense of a context. Very often we work in messy setups and in a messy setup, we don't know exactly how we're going to proceed. So we may want to explore, we may want to experiment, try different things. So there's a point in iterating, using some kind of an iterative approach that allows us to make sense of the context, see what's working and what's not working and doing more of what we need to do. Sometimes we need to make big decisions about the overall structure, but de- design the work in increments, in, in, in chunks that we want to do. So we are recognizing that as professionals, we have choices, we have options, and the options make a difference. The options allow us to progress in different directions. We have a spectrum of positions. We don't need to focus on good and bad, agile and waterfall. We've decided pretty early on to avoid the the, the controversial terms. It's not the bad old waterfall. We are talking about linear progression when we know a lot, when we have more knowledge, when we know what we are doing and what we are trying to achieve. And we are talking about experimentation. Uh, we're talking about iterative development. Iterative development has been around for 50, 60, 70 years. We've been doing it for a very long time. We have a lot of experience. And, and it's about working with a spectrum and deciding what, what's right, either for the whole project or for a particular context or part of the project, and doing mashups, combinations, building them together so that it makes sense. But it's also looking beyond that. In recognizing that the life cycle plays such an important role in how we structure the project, we also need to start thinking about the wider impact of the life cycle. So the first chapter has a whole section dedicated to life cycles. And one of the things we're looking at is hybrids and combinations and new ways of thinking about it. But we also need to become more responsible and 
take a longer-term perspective. So there's also a greater emphasis on the extended life cycle. If we do projects for a purpose and the purpose is to deliver something useful and we start talking about benefits, we need to think about how do we deliver the benefits? So pretty early on, it's still thinking about the users, thinking about their expectations, thinking about what they need them to do and what the extended life cycle would look like and how we can gain benefits. We also recognize pretty early on that what this implies is a move from a culture of delivery where people look at us as a profession that delivers to really making a difference to the organization. So we're moving towards an ethos of value, of creative delivery of benefits. And that implies a different way of structuring what, what we are trying to do. It's not about delivering an output. It's about doing something significant and fundamental for the organization, dealing with that purpose, working with people, getting people to engage, embedding the change. So thinking about change management within what we are doing, thinking about the beneficial change to the organization, thinking about fitting all of that within what we are doing. Having said that, we also recognize that there are also longer term implications because the products that we install, the projects that we put in place, we need to think about the future as well. So there are implications in terms of decommissioning, in terms of the long term responsibility, in terms of taking a longer perspective. If we are professionals, then there's an element of stewardship. We need to think about what we are doing. We need to think about how we position it. We need to think about the future. We need to think about the impact that the projects will have, not just on the organization, but also on the environment around us in terms of sustainability, on the social impacts of our projects. So we need to take a much wider perspective, which goes back to the initial choices. So when we're thinking about projects, programs, portfolio, or the life cycles and how we implement them, when we are thinking about the fact that we need to try different combinations, hybrid allows us to test some of those options. What will be the impact? How will people take it? Do we understand the, the full implications from the start? So really, it's not about the simplistic, is it totally sequential? Do we know everything at the beginning? Very often we don't. Very often we need to make sense. Very often we want to see if people will engage with it. So we're recognizing it as professionals. We are dealing with a wider spectrum. We are dealing with more options and we can shape what we are doing from the beginning, but also explore, discover and deliver things that are more useful and more relevant and therefore more beneficial to society, to the organizations and really to everyone. What was really good in you talking about that was that you use the word professional a lot. And we were very conscious in doing the seventh edition that, you know, APM had achieved its chartered status and that for project management to be seen as a professional discipline, you know, that real focus on value was necessary. So thanks for sharing that. I think there were probably a few other words we need to say about maybe other changes in the the seventh edition, areas where we might have had a greater focus than than in the past. The the chapters, as Darren has alluded to, are are written for everyone, but also with maybe a slight different perspective. So where the first chapter setting up up for success was really written primarily to speak to senior leaders in organisations. Then the second chapter, Preparing for Change, was maybe written for you know sponsors or project managers, um, programme managers, portfolio managers, as they set up the conditions for the change to be successful. The third chapter, People and Behaviours, written for everyone. 
And then the fourth chapter, planning and managing deployment, where maybe some of the more traditional content sits. We we had some in those 64 topics, some some new things, maybe things that are seen as very topical in our wider organisational life. So we have topics around, for example, dealing with workplace stress. Uh, We have topics about virtual teams, clearly very relevant. We have topics about communities of practice and the importance of communities of practice in terms of promulgating knowledge and learning in organisations. And we have topics about sustainability. As Darren said, you know, as project professionals, we we have a responsibility to deliver value. That delivery of value is is also with a mind to our planet and to creating assets and, and ways of working that that are sustainable. And those what might be seen as new topics then had equal treatment alongside long-standing considerations of things like business case scope definition, the PMO, contingency planning, etc. We seem to add lots. And when I was preparing for this, I was trying to think, did we remove anything? Can can you think of anything we removed, Darren? It wasn't so much about removing or it, there was a lot of reorganization. So we all reorganized the topics into different logical groupings. We recognised that there were diversity of options, so, so, so we really tried to focus on the fact that as professionals we make choices, and rather than remove, I think we mostly added. But in adding them, we try to add them logically. I think that we've done a lot of work. There's, there's a lot that we added on people that we certainly didn't take anything away from the area of people. I think there's a greater recognition that people play a key part in everything we do. Projects are done by people, for people, there are people all around us. People need to engage with their results. If we're going to deliver the benefits, we need people to to really buy into the the change and change their behaviours. So there's a much greater recognition of the role of individuals. We spend quite a bit of time trying to think about unpredictability and uncertainty. There's a lot of talk about a VUCA world. Initially, we looked at the VUCA terms and we tried to decide whether we were going to play, whether we were going to add that to the body of knowledge. But I don't think it's a standalone phenomenon. I think we all recognize that very often we are faced with messy conditions, where messy means uncertain, ambiguous, turbulent. There there are all sorts of characteristics that we recognize, especially in times like that we're experiencing at the moment. So there are lots of challenging situations that we are facing. But recognizing that we're working as professionals, it is about the choices that we make. And the choice is not between simple and complex. It wasn't about, okay, sometimes we have a pretty straightforward task and we understand what we are doing, so we can more or less work sequentially and and make sense of it one step at a time. But very often we're working in a messy environment. Messy because we have people, messy because we have change, messy because epidemics happen and, and big changes happen and supply chains collapse and rules change and we need to respond quickly. So it was about really offering options and grouping things so that when we make choices, we can recognize the governance implications and we can recognize the bigger impacts of our decisions. So part of this professionalism and diversity is recognizing that we have options and being brave enough to say, and as a professional, I can make these choices. I'm not looking for a recipe. I'm looking for a way of delivering the most, the best, doing what I can 
And sometimes we need to respond to opportunities. And we've seen a lot of that around the pandemic at the moment. We need to respond to challenges as they occur. Projects pop up and we suddenly need to do something around them. So there's a need for more nuanced, less prescriptive ways, acknowledging that there's bounded rationality. We need to respond quickly sometimes and we need to change what we are doing. So it's it's not so much that we have clear drills that we are following or clear sequences and recipes that we that we want to engage with. It's about short feedback loops. It's about responding, failing fast, adapting, finding out what's working, responding to opportunities, allowing strategy to change, playing a part and putting project management in a more central position within the organization. So it's about building in resilience, being able to deal with challenges, with changes, responding to opportunities, responding to emergent conditions. And ultimately, it's a recognition that we are doing business through projects. The new world is all about doing business through projects, which is where the first chapter begins and where the rest of the body of knowledge is taking us enabling us to respond more quickly, more rapidly, to change, to, to, to deal with emergence, to deal with opportunities, and to become more capable of surviving in a less prescriptive world. Thanks, Darren. And I think, you know, doing business by projects, through projects is, is a, a really good way of summing that up. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit already about, about changes to the seventh edition you know that that phrase doing business through projects is is at the heart of it yet obviously there are all of the aspects of of project management and of wider program and portfolio management that we we need to for, to focus on and to provide core knowledge um, for the profession and you know, I was reflecting on, um, you know, we were asked to, to cover, um, you know, significant changes in, in the seventh edition and whether in a world where there was um, great uncertainty in a rapid, rapidly shifting context, does there still remain a place for waterfall or linear life cycles? And, you know, maybe the question was asked provocatively, but you know, I would say to me, it really misses the point. You know, there are there are many good reasons why projects would follow a linear life cycle. You've alluded um, to one example um, earlier, and you know, not least because the work lends itself to this. You know, so using a very simplistic example, it's still not usually sensible to fit a roof to a house until all the walls are built um, and that you know that you can you can take that load. Um, and you know that's a, a really simplistic example. But the this idea of that organizations understand the repertoire of approaches that are possible is a really key one. And the choices that they can then make to drive organizational objectives benefits and the associated threats and opportunities of achieving those benefits for an acceptable return on investment. So, you know, for me, that's at the heart of it. And what we tried to do was to, to build all of the content in, in the body of knowledge around that. It's interesting, though, that the work we did was largely in 2018. We published in, in 2019. And of course, the, the profession is always saying, well, you know, what's next? What's next? 
And one interesting question that's been posed recently was that if we'd known what was coming with the COVID-19 pandemic, would the seventh edition have been different? My initial reaction was nothing would have been different. But but what do you think, Darren? That's a very interesting question. Uh, In many ways, nothing would be different. It may have pushed us to emphasize the choices and the ability to respond and the repertoire of responses even more explicitly. In a way, it was a big change from the sixth to the seventh edition. Some people say this was the biggest change that has ever been in in the different bodies of knowledge. To, we suddenly recognized professionalism, we recognized the choices, we recognized the opportunities, we recognized that there were so many different conditions. And I think if we'd known that we might be placed in a position where the rule books are torn and, and suddenly we have to start projects differently, we don't have the time for the traditional start, for the slow start and thinking about the project and reflecting and planning. A lot of the projects that we've seen during the COVID-19 pandemic were very much a decision has been made from Monday, something will change. We go to schools, we don't go to schools, we do things differently, we are allowed to go to town, we are not. So things just had to start happening. There was no time to reflect, there was no time to plan. It was pretty much about doing things. And with a lot of that, it's about making sense of where you are. It's a, it's a bit like emergency projects, uh, d- dealing with uh, natural disasters. You land on the ground, you see what you can do, and you need to start saving lives, then you change mode and and you do something slightly different and you you try to sustain people, you're trying to make sure they have food. So you keep shifting mode from one thing to another. But a lot of it is about quick decisions. It's about testing things out. It's about adapting. It's about doing little trials, little tests, failing fast, succeeding, seeing what's working for you and doing more of that and responding very, very quickly. We were dealing with very, it's beyond uncertainty. We were dealing with unprecedented conditions. We were dealing with things we've not seen before. We were dealing with situations where in many ways there were no limits on the project in terms of cost. Just start now. You have to do it within two days, whatever it costs, just get it delivered. So the pressures were different. So I think if I had to start again now, if we had to start again, we probably emphasize the fact that there are lots of choices, lots of opportunities, and sometimes there's some tough choices. We have been working in distributed and virtual ways for a long time, so I, that wasn't the big news. I think the key emphasis was the fact that responsibility and trust are absolutely essential. So we are responsible professionals. We need to recognize their different options. So it would have been nice to have been able to lay out perhaps more options and to be even more brave about the the fact that we need to respond and and select something that makes sense for the context for and for the situation. What has really changed during the pandemic is that we had to do things very, very quickly. So a lot of our traditional safety margins, a lot of our business cases had disappeared. We had to respond, we had to start things, we had to experiment, we had to move quickly. We had to do things in parallel. So we were suddenly working incrementally. One team would be doing something, another team would be doing something else. So less linear thinking. And that would have been perhaps an intriguing place to start. But we started from the sixth edition. So we had to recognize that there are options. We certainly had less time to plan. And the key, I think, is becoming more adaptive and more responsive, recognizing their options, recognizing that that we need to respond to emerging situations, we need to respond to new needs, and maybe even flipping within different timescales and different projects. 
So very much dealing with what we find, becoming more pragmatic, and dare I say it, becoming more professional in the choices. So not hiding behind processes, but being brave enough to make the decisions that are needed to deliver the projects that are really required right now. Just building on that, you know, one of the one of the aspects of our profession that's very close to my heart is is how we understand uncertainty and risk and really deal with that um, effectively. And it seems to me that what we've what we've seen just play out through um, through the COVID pandemic is is a real challenge on on appetites to take risk. Um, you know, often you know we, we talk about appetite to take risk. You know, as if that's something that's fairly fairly static but actually the you know the the decision criteria you know the decisions that that leaders have had to take the the criteria that they've considered and have needed to trade off and the amount of risk that leaders have been prepared to take have been either to you know counter threats or to seize opportunities i think has been seen in really sharp focus and and that that's a good thing because as you say, so much of our profession seems to have progressed almost by rote, by process, by painting by numbers for for quite a long time, um, or certainly in some in some areas. And um, and I think we we all know that that's you know not always optimal to to create value. Another question that has been put to me in in preparing for this and um, my first reaction was oh far too soon to think about but what will be new for the eighth edition maybe things that we left out or or new emerging themes and truthfully my mindset right now is I'd love to see our profession doing the things in the seventh edition really well really tackling the causes of poor performance you know, tackling the root causes of cost or time overruns, of reduced benefits or not measured benefits, the root causes of disempowered teams, and you know the root causes of that that lead to these short-term and adversarial behaviours that we so often see across supply chains. I, I would really like to see things things changing and that the stuff that we talked about in the seventh edition being done really well and and hopefully we we will see that you know through APM's focus on qualifications and credentials across the whole spectrum from those people who are starting out in project management through to to chartered project professionals hopefully over the next few years we can see a shift in mindset and performance but there are things that are changing, of course, and, uh, you know, not least because we need to be increasingly effective in a socially distanced way for the foreseeable future. And what are your thoughts on that, Darren? Do you think there are some additional things that we we need to be thinking about as we lead our, our projects in a socially distant way? My immediate response is social distancing has enabled us to work in interesting ways. It's enabled us to try different technologies. I think we've managed to prove to ourselves that we can work away from the office. We can perhaps reduce physical meetings, although we seem to be having plenty of Zoom meetings and finding replacements. But there are ways of working. There are ways of working responsibly from a distance. We do need to think about 
the purpose of projects. So if we're projecting to the future, I think the purpose purpose remains very important. And the, uh, the whole area around people, we still need to pay attention to people. We need to take people on board. Delivering a project is not enough. Getting people to to engage with the results, to to engage with the with the outputs, to do something differently is very challenging. So it's still it's about change. It's about people. It's around a lot of the softer issues of bringing people with us, holding their hand, getting them to to buy into whatever we are trying to do. It is clearly not about recipes. A profession implies greater responsibility. A profession implies making choices and some brave and important choices. And some of the choices that we need to make are, are mapped out in the first chapter in the early part of the book. But we need to be quite brave in some of the choices. We need to let go of some of the safety that we have within our processes. A profession also implies looking after the long term so it's long-term thinking both in terms of benefits but also in terms of responsibility in terms of the harm that our projects or whatever it is we're installing may be delivering in terms of future generations so it's a longer longer term responsibility and perhaps also becoming more opportunistic if we are looking at our governance structures and our risk we tend to be somewhat risk averse what we have seen is very often we need to respond to projects quickly. We need to grasp opportunities as they happen, and this may accelerate following the pandemic. So we do need to recognize emergence and really grasp at opportunities. We do need to make more informed choices. So we need better ways of being professionals, better ways of being more responsible, and really becoming more informed about the options that we have and recognizing that, that we have a palette of options. There are lots of different ways of delivering projects. We don't need to start at the beginning and follow all the way to the end. Yes, projects have a beginning and an end, but the end is not when we hand over. The end is when people engage with it. The end is when we do something with the results. And the end is when we don't kill our grandchildren as a result of what we've done. So we really need to take a longer term perspective and we really need to take people on board and we really need to think about how we can involve more people, how we can become more diverse, bring in more opinions, more perspectives, because a key to finding the solutions, finding longer term solutions and more diverse solutions is by recognizing the talents that we have and becoming more open to bringing more people on board, users, clients, different parts of the profession and having a bigger conversation with the business around us. So really making projects more central to core business decisions, making projects more important in determining how we can actually deliver the strategy. If we are going to deploy, if we are going to do something meaningful, it is about playing a part in shaping, not just doing, so really being a part of a bigger organization, the dialogue around the organization, being a part of the important conversations about what we can do through projects. The first part of the body of knowledge is doing some of that by introducing the options, but making people around us aware the project managers can do quite a lot. And it is not just about the execution part. It's about the different options that we bring to the table and the different ways, the more flexible, more diverse ways that we can work. I think there's also, and, and in addition to that, the benefit of diversity views when it does come to, to deployments. 
and to impact and execution. And, you know, just when you were talking there, I was um, thinking that, you know, so, so many of the, I suppose, long-standing challenges with with delivery of projects have been promises being made that are highly optimistic or biased by all sorts of different aspects and that actually having a much broader diversity view listening to different voices as we're shaping things also has a direct impact on the quality of our estimates on the understanding of the uncertainty in our projects and our ability to you know shape business cases and set promises and and expectations in a more reasonable way and you know one of the things that I care about so much is how as professionals we can build greater confidence and and trust with wider stakeholders and our ability to deliver you know and so you know some of the the rolling of eyes and you know all IT projects fail or you know all major construction projects you know twice the cost and you know years late that you know we can we can start to to change that and and through greater competence also build greater trust and confidence so you know we've we've got a real opportunity ahead of us and um, I know we both agree with that with that Darren and, and hopefully what we've done in APM Body of Knowledge 7th edition is is give some some insight into how some of that can happen there's also a big conversation happening though about technological developments and the impact on project management so whether that's about artificial intelligence or or other technological developments i mean darren are you are you a proponent of the view that machines can do much of the project management work that people have done in the past there's always been a fascination with technology people have always been absolutely enamored with what we can do with technology and i think that goes a long way back in terms of it technology i've been been observing the changes for a long time certainly a lot of the a lot of the new technology enables us to deal with information better and faster We, we can process volumes of information but i think some of the technology is also creating new blind spots so whilst we can do things more quickly and perhaps um there have been uses and abuses of some of artificial intelligence, machine learning, going through data. Ultimately, we need to consider where the information, where the data is coming from. We rely on data that exists. We rely on the quality of that data. If the data has not been collected in good ways, if the data has not been collected in informed ways, there's a saying within IT, garbage in, garbage out. The data needs to be good enough to be able to make decisions on it. What I fear is some of the technologies can make very good decisions based on the data that they get. But the question is, is that data safe enough? Would you want to be driven in the car where all the decisions are are being made by a machine? You might have different views about it. Certainly, some of the challenges around technology, I've seen a lot of people get excited about artificial intelligence and its role in replacing project managers. I came back from the from a trip to the US not that long ago, just before lockdown, and a lot of the conversations people were having there were about artificial intelligence totally replacing project managers. I don't see that happening quite yet. 
I'm concerned about the loss of contextual understanding. I'm concerned about ethical implications. I'm concerned about machines that don't understand some some of the different aspects that individuals have, some of the contextual knowledge and, and the connections that we can make just because we didn't program them. If the machine or the program is only as good as the programmer and the programmer has not talked to the users, I think we might be moving away from some of the achievements. If it is about engaging with people, we need to maintain that. If it is about understanding the nuances and understanding what fears and issues people have, we need to retain that. Some of the softest skills will be very difficult to program. I remember 30, 40 years ago, people talking about artificial intelligence as the solution and we're going to have artificial brains. Well, we haven't gone there. I'm not sure that all the project management decisions can be made by machines. I can certainly see ethical implications there will be issues around sustainability. There will be issues around longer term considerations. We might be able to optimize decisions at the moment, but I think a lot is missing. We need to keep asking ourselves, who's making the decisions for our grandchildren, for our seventh generation, who's considering the environment? And ultimately, how reliable is the data and whether we can trust it? If we are professionals, the hallmark of professionalism is the choices that we make. Do we really want to abrogate that responsibility? Do we want to give machines the, the right and the capability to make that? We keep saying in when you look at automated cars that control can always pass on to the driver. So in case of an emergency, we can give it back to the driver. That's not fair. In an emergency, you haven't been doing the driving and suddenly you find yourself in the driver's seat having not been part of the buildup. It's, it's not really a sustainable, it's not really a, a manageable situation. So we need to be part of some of the important decisions. A lot of the background can be done for us. We need to be careful about analysis paralysis. We can get a lot of useful things from automation but it is ultimately still about people and about the choices we make. And I think what we emphasize in the body of knowledge that it was about people and it was about choices and it was about shaping. And I think the ultimate big decisions need to continue to be made by us, by professionals, by, by, by people who are capable of recognizing the contextual nuances, recognizing the, the wider implications to the organization, making the bigger choices. We can automate boring tasks, but we need to retain control and we need to remain responsible for what's going on. I think I think also as our ability to process large data sets gets greater, you know, the the skills of the profession around being able to use that technology and to make wise choices. You know, we, we know that poor data and poor models leads to errors in judgment and and decisions. You know, we, there's there's lots of data around, and and my reflections are that very few organisations use their historic data well. You know, we we know that you know projects are are unique in in some respects, so you might not have you know large homogenous data sets, but but you know, out there in the world, there are comparisons that that can be made, and maybe that there's more we can do with historic data, but also more we can do in in looking at trends and prediction and looking forward. And you know, for me, we we've cracked it as a profession when we're, we're not just telling our war stories with hindsight, but we we are getting better at foresight at anticipation. And that that's not just about hunches and 
um, but but that we are using our ability to to analyze data and and you know look at scenarios and look at you know future trends and and deal deal with those so um i can see that data analysis you know will become even more important as part of, and, and that's not to say that it's project managers who have those skills, but within that project ecosystem that we are better at using data, that, that seems to be absolutely necessary. But but like you, call, call me old-fashioned, I, I completely agree with you. That's not fair. Driverless cars, you know, the machine does all the easy bits. Then when it gets tricky, it's over to me. I'd rather have been building up my experience on the whole journey. Darren, I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about the history of the bark, what led us to make the changes we did in the seventh edition. And, you know, we've, I think, you know, said quite a lot about how, you know, we hope that the seventh edition is a springboard, not just for project managers, but for that wider collection of stakeholders to think about projects, project-based working in a different way. And so that we've always got an eye to the future, that we are managing with foresight, anticipating change and able to deliver the best value possible for investors, for society and for our planet. I was I was looking back in preparing for this, and uh, we wrote an article in Project Magazine in mid-2018. In that, we said, if we're able to help people make sense of their practice using tried and tested ideas within an adaptable approach that embraces emergence and avoids oversimplified prescriptions, then we'll be happy with our work. I don't think our views have changed on that one. Do you, Darren? No, no, I think that that, that is still a, a, an ideal position. Brilliant. Well, thank you for joining me, Darren, on this. It's been it's been good to reminisce and also to to look forward. And and thank you to all of you who've listened to this. If you'd like to get in touch with with either Darren or myself about any of the topics discussed today, then we're really happy that you email us. You can reach me on ruth at potentiality.uk or Darren on d.doucher at lancaster.ac.uk. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks again to Ruth and Darren for co-hosting today's episode. For more information on the APM Body of Knowledge 7th edition or to order your copy, visit apm.org.uk. This podcast has been brought to you by the Association for Project Management, the chartered body for the project profession. 